The glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days. There is no room for the fornicator. There is no room for the homosexual. Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and early 1990s. Sounds like we got a little bit of a feedback there, picking up another station, but not a problem. You're listening to The Gory Days with me, Kyle Leone, your host to walk you through the slains of Horrorville, hand-in-hand as we go skipping merrily along, saying hi to all of the neighbors and the postman and the milk lady and all of the people who work in this municipal district that is Horrorville. I am your guide to the world beyond. Kyle, it's me again. Welcome to the gory days. Um, We're still evolving here on the show. We're still readjusting our format, and I will be the first to admit that I've gotten a little out of hand. The last two episodes were just too long, too comfortable, and so there's going to be a little bit of some shifts here, but don't worry, I'm going to hold your hand through the whole thing, and everything's going to be fun. But before we get into that, I want to introduce uh, my co-host once again on the show, Mike. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Um, that's uh, It's been a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Last week we had uh, Derek on the show because mm-hmm. uh, we actually had another guest lined up, but he wasn't able to make it. So Derek jumped on to uh, do Ghoulies. No, I mean <laughs> Gremlins. Gremlins. We did Gremlins. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? I have not. No. Oh my god, it's a classic. Okay. Yeah, but we're not talking about that but, today. Is that the um, Steven Spielberg? That's it. That's um, it yeah. No, he was the executive producer. So oh, like okay. basically, he had a huge hand in it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah first off i want to get rid of these like long intros and i want to kind of just jump right into the movie that we're talking about today um especially since you're here every week uh sure. so maybe if i have another guest on we'll right. continue talking to yeah. them about what they're doing the audience knows me well i want i mean are you doing anything i'm not okay yeah. did you see any movies recently uh, besides this, this one oh uh, no no i saw crazy rich asians last night oh how was that i loved it actually yeah. um it's cool. This uh, Crazy Rich Asians and The Meg are both in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. They're both Chinese studios that uh, were making movies for Western audiences. Oh, I didn't realize The Meg was that. I thought it was just mm-hmm. like a Jaws remake. Well, it is, okay. but it's a Chinese uh, movie mm-hmm. being shown in America with American actors like Jason oh. Statham. And, well, American, but you know sure. what I mean. Is he, he's like British Western. Or yeah, 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 exactly, okay. Western. Yeah. Um, and Crazy Rich Asians is kind of the other side of that, where we're seeing uh, Eastern stories being presented to a Western audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's about... Uh, well, I won't go into what it's about, but sure. basically it's it's super beautiful portrayal of Singapore. Mm-hmm. Just as I, I've never wanted to go to Singapore before, but now I can't wait. It's gorgeous. Right. Um, I don't know, have you ever traveled? No, not really. No, never? Never. <laughs> Where are the I places mean, like, you've gone? Tijuana counts. Does Tijuana count? I've never been to Tijuana. Okay. No, the only place I've gone to outside the country is uh, Paris, and that was for oh, like okay. a singing trip. Nice. Yeah. Where have you been? Uh, Tijuana and Vancouver. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I guess those count as out of the country. You need a passport for that. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. 
uh, the movie we're talking about today, Children of the Corn, Stephen King's Children of the Corn from 1984. Is this the first time you'd seen this movie? Yes. Yeah, me too, actually. I'd seen a lot of parodies and stuff on like South Park, and uh, I think Family Guy did a similar thing where the kids take over, mm-hmm. um, but this is the first time I'd actually seen it. I've definitely heard the name Children of the Corn many times. Where did you hear it? I don't know, no. but I, it is like a, something I've heard. I, I was somewhat familiar with the story, even though I've... I'd never seen anything or even a parody of it. It's kind of like just a culty name, yeah. you know, to the children of the corn. Like right. That sounds pretty ominous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's originally based on a story of the same name that Stephen King published in uh, Another Hustler. Stephen King. Well, yeah, yeah, Hustler. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, once upon a time, I was amazed to find this, that Hustler uh, was... I knew that sci-fi got its home um, early on in porn magazines and mm-hmm. things as they would publish like Ray Bradbury and uh, oh, whoever. Ray, Ray Bradbury started uh, in porn magazines. I think so. That's crazy. Am I, am I wrong? No, I, I don't know. I'm thinking of him and uh, that other really tiny angry man who wrote uh, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. I can't remember his name. Okay. I'm sure there's people out there who do. But the point is and that. they're screaming right now. <laughs> But the point is that, like, yeah, porn magazines published horror stories and sci-fi stories and stuff. So in an issue of Hustler, there was Children of the Corn, this little Stevie King story. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, it's basically the same the same story. I, I We'll get into the differences between the short story and the movie. Um, but, yeah, just right off the bat, first impressions of the movie. Um, yeah, I'm surprised this um, spun off so many... Oh, that too. Yeah, I forgot about that. The, uh, like, the sequels. I don't know how many sequels there are to this thing. Um, I think there... Uh, let's see here. This inspired eight sequels. Wow. Yeah, Children of the Corn 2, 3, 4, 5, 666, <laughs> Revelation, uh, a TV remake, Genesis, and the newest one, Runaway, came out in March of 2018. That's crazy, because the story is pretty simple. I mean, we don't understand everything about it's, this monster it's but really simple but it's a simple story so yeah that's what i like about it is it leaves a lot of questions unanswered mm-hmm. and just kind of it doesn't wrap everything up in a nice little bow there's a lot of questions um that uh, i demand answers to but on the uh, topic of sequels yeah eight sequels came out of this children of the corn 2 the final sacrifice came out in 1992 and it's actually a direct sequel to this movie it takes place like right after right the after, events wow. yeah okay. it's with the, the the four of them at the end um w- what year was that in that was 1992 okay so, so this came out in four yeah okay. there was a big gap between uh children of the corn what people wanted out of Children of the Court, I guess. Mm. Um, and that came out, yeah, uh, that was the last one to be released in theaters. Everyone since then has been direct to DVD or uh, gotcha. or video or whatever. Including the, the remake? Mm-hmm. Oh, so. Yeah, so starting with Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest in 1995, that was direct to DVD, and it was the beginning of standalone stories. So the first two are connected, obviously, mm-hmm. but three on, they're unrelated, and gotcha. it's just like... Yeah, just individual stories. Use the same theme. Well, same it's funny. Like in universe. this in this day and age, that seems like a huge missed opportunity to create like a cinematic universe. Kind of like how Insidious is doing it with mm-hmm. you know the Conjuring and Annabelle and the Nun and all of that crap that they're trying to spin. Because people love that right, right now. Yeah, Don't yeah. you love that? Oh yeah, yeah. It's the same world. That's just 
I like if I like the setting, then more of this, please. No, kids don't like just like a toy anymore. They want to know the backstory yeah, and what yeah. this person's like mm-hmm. pathos is yeah. and wh- why they're doing it. Um, and I've always appreciated no, that's that. The best part. I yeah, think. it makes the best uh, characters. So then, Children of the Corn Four: The Gathering, nineteen ninety six. Children of the Corn Five: Fields of Terror, nineteen ninety eight. Children of the Corn Six Six Six: Isaac's Return, oh. which is the first movie to feature Isaac again. And so it's technically a standalone story, but Isaac comes back, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Kind of answers one of the lingering questions mm-hmm. that I was wondering about. What happens to Isaac? Yeah, exactly. In two thousand one, they made Children of the Corn Revelation because every movie needs a revelation <laughs> at some point. Ugh, excuse me. And then, in 2009, Sci-Fi made a TV remake of the original film that follows the book story much more closely. Mm. Um, And uh, some interesting trivia about that is that uh, the director noticed how silly the original looked with all of these kids being portrayed by older uh, actors. So he wanted genuine aged kids mm-hmm. which apparently just turned out to be an absolute production nightmare there's two <sighs> things that directors jokingly say not to do don't work with kids don't work with animals right because uh, yeah like you have to educate them like they have to go to so many hours of school on set and mm-hmm. things like that i can only imagine which is why um i was so surprised when um isaac was such a good actor and he looks so young but then yeah i looked at his uh I looked at his Wikipedia page and saw hey, this, he was actually 24 years he's old. He's 24. Um, Isaac in this movie, the the prophet. He's only mm-hmm. he's 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 so much shorter than right. Malachi, and he's yeah. shorter than everyone else. And he's got that the little squeaky voice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was 24 years old, and you looked into that. Yeah, he has a, a HDH deficiency, human growth hormone deficiency. So that's why he hasn't grown yeah, so if you were stuff. laughing or giggling about that up until now shame on you because i certainly feel terrible for thinking it was it was silly that he was 24 when i found out um then in 2011 they made children of the corn genesis and finally in march of this year they made children of the corn runaway unrelated they're just ringing out stephen king's story for whatever they can <laughs> he's what's hot right now it's just like i guess it, it, it lays the groundwork for more stories like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, a person comes to a town and there's no adults. And what do they do? And they get captured. And yeah, I guess you can just do that eight more times, apparently. All of them had no adults. Is that kind of the, the running thing? They all killed all their adults. I they see. all killed their, their parents. Yeah. So the movie we're talking about, Children of the Corn, 1984, uh, released on Friday, March 9th. Uh, 1984 with a budget of $800,000, an estimated budget of $800,000. But that weekend, it made $2 million back. So this was wow. a pretty popular movie. Not probably because Stephen King was already a pretty big name mm-hmm. by then. But and It's got a catchy title. Oh, Children of the Corn? Yeah. yeah. So let's go back to March 9th, 1984. <laughs> it's a Friday. Ronald Reagan is president. And we're having a lot of fun listening to Jump by Van Halen and 99 Red Balloons by Nana. <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, something, something balloons. Um, oh, and uh, we just we just saw Splash in theaters starring Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, uh, Eugene Levy, and John Candy. 
the first movie to re- be released by Touchstone Pictures. I'm sure there will be many more after that. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, who knows? Uh, uh, w- let's go back to my house and we can watch uh, Christine and Firestarter and Octopussy on home video. Firestarter, another um, Stephen King movie. And Christine, another yeah. Stephen wow. King movie. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when we're done with that, we can take a look at my Life magazine with Daryl Hannah in a bathing suit on the cover. Like, I-, I thought Firestarter was literally in theaters at the same time as this movie. Oh, my research says that uh, it was just coming out on home video. Oh, okay. Maybe that's maybe that's the case. I don't know. <laughs> this is something we could argue yeah. with. Where did you Where did you find that? I don't remember. Um, I think I found mine on uh, TakeMeBackTo.com. And okay. to be fair, it wasn't completely accurate because the website said that in, in 1984, people were watching a TV show called Down to Earth, mm-hmm. which is a 2001 comedy starring Chris Rock, where he is an angel and gets sent into a white person's body. Oh, okay. So no, I don't <laughs> think people were enjoying that as a TV show in 1984. No, no, no. That's not the thing. <laughs> when it had it come out. So, hey, take me back to.com, fix your stuff, mm-hmm. or teach me how to fix it. Um, so, yeah, uh, taglines for this movie that I thought were pretty fun An adult nightmare. Hmm. You see, it's kind of got the. No comments on that one? Um, <laughs> the next one is I guess. And a child shall lead them. Yeah, that sounds like a prophet or mm-hmm. something. It reminds me a little of. Um... When I hear that line, I think of uh, religious things, yeah, like a Bible verse. Religious things, also, um, Lord of the Flies, the book, oh. you know, which has I've never read Lord of the Flies. Oh, okay, you did? Okay. Did you have to read it for school, or did, did you do I it did. for pleasure? Uh, both, Kyle. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've seen the movie, and it's not really like a pleasant story. But no. I'm sure the book kind of expands on the themes and allegory of. Probably, I haven't seen the movie. So, oh, okay, you know. yeah. Um, and uh, so, and a child shall lead them sounds biblical because it does come from Isaiah eleven sixteen in the Old Testament, which reads, And the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. It's also what's written in the church scene uh, on the walls. One of the walls in blood is, mm-hmm. I assume blood is written, right. and a child shall lead them. Yeah. And then my the the tag the final tagline which is my favorite I love this in their world adults are not allowed to live <laughs> pregnant pause <I> <laughs> yeah exactly it's got dot 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 and yeah. everything yeah so um did you did you get a chance to uh, check out some of the trivia and things for this I, I saw a little bit of the uh, the blunders or the on IMDb this is like um hmm? there's a portion where they show um, like scenes where like a microphone was shown, like a boom. Oh, I definitely saw a yeah. person like a, there's a crew member in a shot that mm-hmm. really threw me off, and yeah. I thought it was a character like about to get the boy <laughs> in the beginning. Um, so yeah, in the spirit of the new format of the show, I guess uh, the last thing I want to do is explain the timeline, and then we'll just jump right okay. into it. So the film rights for the uh, short story were originally optioned by Hal Roach Studios, which we see in the opening credits that uh, it's Hal Roach and New World Pictures present. King wrote the original draft of the mm-hmm. screenplay based on his short story, which focused a lot more on Bert and Vicky and a lot more history on the uprising of the children in Gatlin. But, I would have loved to have seen that, but yep. instead the script was disgarded in favor of George Goldsmith's And screens. the reason for that is he had like 
the first 20 minutes of them just talking in the car, explaining the, the backstory. Goldsmith which, says King's script started with 35, 35. pages of Bert and Vicky okay. arguing in a car. So he decided to tell the story visually through the eyes of two completely new characters, Job and Sarah. Joby mm-hmm. and Sarah. Um, which, like, I get that it has a more traditional narrative structure, Um but in the original short story, they are not a happy couple. They mm. are already married, for one, right. and, and that their was marriage a big is thing falling the, apart. Okay. And that, that was a big thing in the, at least a thing in the movie, where it's like, oh, why haven't we been married? Is that they're not married, and Linda Hamilton really wants to get married, yeah. and he's like, oh, no, that's that's not important to Who me. Who is uh, Sarah Connor, by the way. Yeah, yeah, which is great. <laughs> uh, Linda, Linda Hamilton. So, yeah, the movie... Uh, oh, wait, was that, was that all of it? Yeah, I guess that was all of the, uh, timeline. Nothing, nothing really else, yeah, that I wanted to hit on, so we can jump right into it. Set in the fictitious rural town of Gatlin, Nebraska, the film tells the story of a malevolent entity referred to as He Who Walks Behind the Rose, which entices the children of the town to ritually murder all the adults in town and a couple driving across country to ensure a successful corn harvest. So that description, that synopsis comes from Wikipedia, and it's like the top part where they don't give you the whole plot. And I think it's a little misleading, because it makes it sound like the kids murder everybody and no one gets away. Right, right. Well, I guess that's almost true, except for maybe the mechanic. Um, well, in the original story, that's the case. Um, differences specifically is that neither of them make it. Linda Hamilton's character oh. in the book dies, okay. and Bert's character uh, Bert dies in mm-hmm. the book immediately after seeing Linda Hamilton's character mm-hmm. die. Um, so, like out of sorrow or something unrelated. Oh, they no, they catch him. They okay. kill him. He's killed gotcha. by the the one who walks behind the rose. I see. So, the the. I want to kind of unwrap these differently. I don't want to go scene by scene. The big thing is that the city of Gatlin three years ago was a normal place. Everyone in town was having a great time. Joby was going to church. And it seems like that day. Yeah, for whatever reason. That was the day that Isaac, this preacher kid, was able to convince all of the children that there was an evil entity stronger than the God that they knew that willed them to kill their parents. And so these extremely influential ki- ch- children yeah. do it, mm-hmm. and they kill everybody. And before that, there was um, like a nice voiceover of the kid yeah, just explaining the yeah. this nice town, and it seems really pleasant, and then bam. And then that's it. Yeah. They, they all get slaughtered. And then um, they don't In really- In a diner is where we see it. Yeah, yeah. That's We only see the, the diner. Um, that was, where that's Joby's parents get slaughtered mm-hmm. as yeah. well. That's one of the first uh, opening scenes. It's at Homer's. Uh, it's a coffee shop. All the diner patrons get poisoned and then sliced and killed, but it, none of none of it's seen. All of the violence in this movie, starting yes, right here from the screen. diner, is all off screen, yep. and you just see blood kind of spray onto Joby's mm-hmm. face. Yeah, and it's not uh, like particularly impressive blood. It's just like uh, regular. No, it doesn't look like the Hellraiser no, goopy blood. It doesn't no. look like it just looks like strawberry jam preservatives right. or something like yep. that. Um, yeah, so that was three years ago. That's what the title card says. Mm-hmm. So when we see uh, the characters of Bert and Vicky, played by uh, Peter Horton and Linda Hamilton, respectively, I, it's not clear that it's later or well, that much They do later. say present day. Oh, it does? Yes. Oh, I must have missed that. Uh, I didn't see that. And so, okay, so, uh, which I don't like that movies do. I don't cause, either. Because it means 2018 for Right, us. to us. But they should have said like 19, uh, whatever, or three years later or something like that. Which is odd, because none of the kids seem to age. Well, 
it's Bert's birthday. So the entire film takes place in one day. Mm-hmm. And canonically, it's October 3rd, 1983, um, which also happens to be another character's birthday that we meet later, Amos. Uh, he turns okay. 19 today, and he celebrates oh, right, his birthday right, by getting right. sacrificed. Yep. Um, so uh, Bert and Vicky are dating. Um, they're not married because that's kind they're of a running... almost engaged. Yeah, it's like they're at the point in their relationship where they can talk openly and joke about getting engaged, Mm -hmm. but they're still not. And it's obvious that, uh, Bert, who's going to, they're both going to Seattle right. to they're start their new lives. Cross country yeah. to Seattle, where so he, Bert is now a doctor, and he's, he's an intern now, and yeah. I guess he's going to start his residency right. at the Seattle place. Um, and that's what takes him. So they have to go through Nebraska to get there. Where do you think they started from? Hmm. It had to this, be somewhere on the east the, coast. The huge hole in my geography because <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska is pretty yeah. midwestern, right. and Seattle is in the Pacific Northwest. So they must have had to come from either the south or the east coast. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. um irrelevant i just thought you know just fun to think about anyway the inciting incident starts when they're driving along um and they hit a kid in the middle of the road before that i like when they were listening to the radio and there was like a there's a preacher there's a preacher saying what i was saying at the top of it yeah Yeah. a bunch of uh, religious things and they're clearly making fun of it Mm -hmm. how they're making fun of how like backwater this place is as they're driving through like they were expecting to find music and that's all they get is Mm -hmm. that um, and uh, it sounds like an adult. I don't know. It doesn't sound like yeah, a no, kid. It, it definitely sounds like an adult, which is weird because you know? it seems like the whole town is uh children. But yeah, maybe they just left that broadcast on or something. I don't yeah. Know. So the book doesn't explain where this kid comes from in that moment, but the movie does, since we see in the opening credits apparently this girl Sarah can draw the future. Yeah. When she, she like has see. a fever, yeah, she can yeah. see the future and she can color it. So the opening credits are uh kind of like an overture for the rest of the mm-hmm. movie. You actually see like scenes that make more sense later and I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, that's cool. As like foreshadowing. So what you find what we find out that Bert and Vicky don't know is that this kid Joseph is trying to ditch the cult. Mm-hmm. He's done and he wants to run out of there with his little suitcase, but he gets like it's unclear if the monster gets him or if another kid gets him. Uh, it seems like it's another kid because we do see his not his throat is cut. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's a... so I assume Malachi chased right, after him, sliced right. his throat, pushes him out into the road, uh, mm-hmm. and he gets hit. They explain later that it's because you know their god said, "Don't kill him on the corn. He has to mm-hmm. die on the street." Gotcha. Um, and, he, and he is standing, so it's kind of weird. Well, that's it. It's like if they did kill him, mm-hmm. he was going to die in the next three seconds. Right, so they right. cut his life short by like yeah, like a minute. Yeah. Um, but understandably they hit a child yeah. and they kind of are freaking out. Um, and, uh, Bert handles it by wrapping the kid up in a well, sheet. Before that, there was, there was a weird thing where like they rent, they run this kid over and then, uh, he's like, Oh my God, are, are you okay? And he checks like her neck for, for like a while. Yeah, like yeah, a long time, like whiplash or something, yeah. and it calms her down. Yeah, he's got like this magic touch. Right. He's like such a good doctor. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like a dead kid. There's yeah. a dead, maybe dead, <laughs> maybe, right. maybe he's Who dying. Yeah. They sure take their time to sure. check on him. Um, and when they do, the kid's freaking breathing. God, kid actors are so bad. You can see his chest going up. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, um, they they get away from that situation. There's a stupid dream sequence I won't even go into. Um, and uh, they they keep driving along. They eventually make their way to um, a gas station where they meet uh, a character who's never given a name, but in the credits they make sure to call uh, to call him Deal. Hmm. Uh, he's the guy that works at the gas station, um, selling gasohol. 
So, yeah. so I guess he like you know through his the way he's talking to himself later, he made a deal with the kids. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. that like uh, he was going to supply them with gas and in they exchange won't kill for him. his life. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but Malachi, which is a really bad deal. I mean, like if he could have gone out of town, that's the first thing I would do. Right? Like, <laughs> like how, uh, he's a mechanic. He could have fixed up a car. He's got gas. Well, there's something weird about the town. Like they changed all the signs, so it makes it like hard to know how to get out of town. Yeah, but presumably this guy's lived there all his life. Right? Yeah. Like he says. To the dog, his dog's name uh, is Sarge, and his he's like, "Dog oh, is adorable, by the way." I love that. Uh, yeah, he tells Sarge, he's like, "Oh, this highway's becoming a right. Uh, this street's becoming a regular highway. This is the third car in three months." <laughs> so yeah, he obviously knows the in and outs of uh, mm-hmm. how to get out of here. So yeah, you think he would just drive away, but uh, his deal isn't good enough because uh, Malachi. Yeah, they say Malachi is the one that killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, Long, suspenseful walking around before it happens. Lots of long, suspenseful walking around in this movie. So the reason we even, um, just to backtrack a little bit, is the reason we even got to the mechanic is they're trying to find someone to call, someplace to call. They want to report the crime that the they crime. did. They're yeah. trying to desperately. Well, not so much that they did. He's a doctor and he clearly saw that this kid was you know, dead oh, before right. he even got there. So yeah. they're trying to report that crime. Okay. Um, and I guess, were they out of gas, too? They, they weren't out of gas. They still had gas, but they were looking around for adults or at least That's a right. phone or something like that. And he's the only one. Mm-hmm. And he tells them, oh, yeah, there's another town. Just go this way and turn this way. And mm-hmm. they're like, great. Um, but the directions aren't right. They're weird. Yeah. As soon as they turn down a road that is supposed to take them one way, they see another sign for Gatlin, and the distance is smaller. Mm-hmm. And so they turn in opposite direction, and another sign for Gatlin, and the distance is even smaller. And I guess they're getting desperate to find someone to talk to, so they decide to uh, turn into Gatlin. Yeah. Gatlin is the town of Nebraska that apparently has been completely overrun by kids, and all of the parents and adults are dead. Um then we cut to uh, Isaac talking to his uh, congregation, and this is where they kind of flesh out what the cult uh, right. is uh, with the blue man and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, the blue they, man being an officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, he talks about he who walks behind the rose, and Isaac is like pontificating. He he does a great job, honestly, oh, with yeah. all of he's, his like. He's a good actor. Yeah, like I don't even think I could reproduce it, but like and 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 he shall uh, speak through me, and he speaks all the through man. me. Yeah, literally yeah. stuff like that. Um, to all these kids, mm-hmm. and so the one in charge is Isaac. The second in command is Malachi, who I can assume is like maybe seventeen he's or eighteen. 18. Yeah. Okay, he's mm-hmm. eighteen. Um, and that's another thing is that it's the children of the corn, not right. the adults. So when you age out on the first day of your nineteenth birthday, you sacrifice yourself to yep. he who walks among the rows. I was wondering that, like, as the movie was going on, like, oh, what happens if they age? And then the movie answers it. And, uh, yeah. They sacrifice. So Bert and Vicky are driving along, and they find a house uh, that they think. Oh wait, wait, wait! That's right. Movement. That's right. There were kids like looting their car. Yeah. And yeah. so they get in, and they follow them, and they're trying mm-hmm. to find them. They lose them, but they do find a house when they see some movement come right. from it. And uh, both of them, Bert and Vicky, go inside the house, and that's where they meet Sarah, who's mm-hmm. playing. Well, they were playing Monopoly in there earlier, but now I think she's just drawing and listening to her uh, record player. Because yep. Isaac forbids all of that. Isaac, it was in the opening credits in the like drawings and things, but it looks like they had like a burning where they mm. got rid of records and books. And honestly, yeah. it's just good dictatorship. <laughs> is like the first thing you want to do is get rid of anything that would influence thought among mm. your people, so that you're the voice of reason. But um, for what? For some reason, he says the was it. Who he who walks behind the rose 
wants to keep Sarah alive because he's a because she has uh, like, like future sight, right. and he like knows that yeah. and knows how valuable that is. Well, it seems like he kind of has a little bit of that, maybe. Maybe yeah. it's really unclear, and I kind of mm-hmm. like the way they play with it, where yeah. it just seems like Isaac is kind of just a zealot, and he's right. taking advantage of them, and it's not clear if it's real mm-hmm. until you see the sky when uh, the gas station guy is uh, looking out, and he's like, "Oh, it's just the wind. The clouds are going crazy in mm. a way that makes me believe that." Oh no! This is real. It's actual, right. like there's magic, it. or yeah. yeah, there's an evil entity, uh, which is kind of cool. Like imagine yeah. you know part of being a cult, but it's real, yeah. and like they actually have some powers or something. Um, so Sarah and Vicky stay together. Bert says that he's going to leave and go uh, check out the town hall. Are we S- safe, Bert? Split up. Are we safe? Yeah, are we safe? Yeah, it's weird, but I think we're safe. Okay. So Bert goes around looking all over town for things, and he sees a bunch of weird stuff that freaks him out, makes him think that he's not safe, specifically a picture of a dragon burning what looks yeah, like Vicky. at which point he gets like a, like some Jedi pat my house. Flashback. <laughs> There's a disturbance in the forest. Must he knows. find Vicky. Yeah, because what happens, is Vicky's hanging out with uh, Sarah and Sarah draws a picture that we don't see until Vicky gets kidnapped the mm-hmm. kids come in Malachi and all the kids they take her away Sarah is a little girl and obviously does nothing but we see the image that she drew and it was exactly that mm-hmm. Vicky being taken away by the kids right and she was specifically said like oh v- Vicky was saying oh Sarah what did you draw I drew you and mm-hmm. she was kind of like like what is this yeah. <laughs> what did you draw so, yeah, the blue man you mentioned earlier was a police officer. Mm-hmm. They keep calling him the blue man because I assume he was the last adult to ever. Like, and he was wearing a blue outside. uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it's revealed later through Joby that he almost saved everyone. Yeah, that he almost killed the, the monster, the he who walks behind the rose. Yeah. And so they kind of hold him up as like a forever sacrifice to right. how close we came. Yeah. yeah. And how we can never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think was kind of cool. Because uh, Vicky sees him and she freaks out when she realizes that's my fate. Do you think he was starved to death on that thing? No, it seems like something happened. So I, he looked um, beyond, well, I don't want to say skeleton. He looked like like a mummy, sort of. Like he had the life drained out of him. Like the life drained out of him. Then yeah. we kind of see, I don't know if we want to jump to a later scene, but we see something that later happen with uh, Isaac when... The, oh yeah so being... yeah uh, that's coming up yeah right, right. so that's isaac not... and malachi like have a mutiny malachi mm-hmm. uh is bigger and stronger and pushes him down in front of everyone and says we're not going to believe you anymore and to my surprise everyone turns on yeah, him. people are like okay yeah. they must have hated isaac <laughs> yeah it's kind of set up that they did that no yeah. one really liked how oppressive he was right. and how they like although we we only saw uh sarah and jovi so we didn't... Well, Sarah and Joby are the only two that don't really buy into all of the, the crap, right. or at least, and at least act on that. I guess it's like, because they weren't in the field that day, and they didn't see that magical oh, thing that happened. is that it? Yeah. Okay, so. so they only... Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. There's a weird element in that this... The inciting incident took place three years ago, but none of the kids aged none of them in that dead. time? Yep. No. So that's weird that Jovi and Sarah are exactly the same age when they were maybe six mm-hmm. when the event started. And a six-year-old and a nine-year-old would look very different. Yeah, and Malachi was 18 then, so he should have... Was he? I mean... <laughs> then, yeah, he'd be 21. <laughs> right. Maybe he's getting them all booze. Right. <laughs> 
so yeah that's when we see the uh ritual of like birthdays uh bert breaks into a church and sees that there's all these kids in like a really organized ritual kind of thing and it's kind of creepy the idea of kids mm-hmm. like creating their own system like yeah, that there's like they're... corn everywhere and there's like they're drinking blood out he's of a stabbing. corn bowl this is the first time it's like he's digging a pentagram which right. is like very demonic mm-hmm. and nothing else we've really seen he's digging it into his chest yeah yeah with a knife and uh pooling the blood into a corn cup oh, that yeah, yeah. some other woman was going to drink. Do we ever oh, get her name? We should, we should, she's a child, and she's a pretty good... I don't know how old she she's is. She's an adult. Okay. She looks like yeah. 30. Okay, yeah, she, she's, she's older, but she should be a child in this universe. Yeah, so uh, the, the kids are Isaac and Malachi, um, but... Oh, and Job and Sarah. I guess I have another person here named Rachel and Richard Deegan, and I, those... Oh, Amos. Okay, so Richard Amos Deegan was John Philbin, and Rachel, the girl in that mm-hmm. scene, was Julie Madalena. Um, and yeah, she does a great job, oh, yeah. like trying to claw at Bert. Um, she's she's the one that stabs him yes. in the chest. So yeah, Bert <laughs> goes on and on. He like no one's saying anything because he is the adult in the room, and right. he's screaming like this this religion, this religion stuff is ridiculous. Any religion without love and compassion is a lie. Oh, he well, says that well, later. He says that later, but. But that's basically yeah. what he's saying here is yeah. that like what who told you this? Who mm-hmm. told you that God says this? This book? Right. Um and that oh are you trying to rewrite this whole thing or just the holding parts the that Bible. work for you? Yeah. yeah, holding the Bible. So she's got this big knife. She stabs him like I have to imagine it was between the ribs for it to go that yep. deep, which he pulls right out. And he's a doctor, so he should know better than to pull a um I'm pretty sure you're supposed to leave it in, right? Right. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it would bleed a lot more yeah. than we see. It barely bleeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, Joby finds him and brings him down to like their secret cellar under their house, where they have all of this food. It's like a bomb shelter. Yeah, that his dad built for the communists. communists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so he he's a doctor, so he fixes himself up. But Malachi has taken Isaac and replaced. Uh, replaced Vicky with Isaac in the mutiny. He convinced the the kids to tie him, Isaac to the corn cross and be sacrificed. That's why Malachi is taking uh, Vicky through the town and screaming for Bert. Cause he wants to find them both. And he's using her as bait. Um, which something Isaac pretty creepy. was not into because I don't know. The, the monster was telling him not to do that, but Malachi was like, I know better. Mm-hmm. And he takes Vicky out into the streets and calls, uh, what does he call him? He doesn't call him by his name. He just says, like, man. Outline, Outlander. Outlander, Outlander yeah. Because yeah. that's what uh, Isaac called them, is that a yeah. test is upon us. He will send Outlanders, and we must sacrifice them. In which times he, he cuts um, Vicky with a machete. Mm-hmm, on her face. Like, a pretty deep and large scar. Yeah. Which somehow shrinks completely throughout the movie. Completely goes away. Completely yeah. goes well, away. No, not completely. Like, it oh. shrinks and shrinks and shrinks as, as the movie <laughs> like goes Like, she's got hyper-healing yeah. powers. <laughs> um, so... It doesn't work. Bert doesn't come out, and they take her back to the the ritual where Amos is going to sacrifice himself, but Joby has got uh, a bird's-eye view of the the ritual and brought uh, Bert to the barn, Mm -hmm. which is like a yard. overlooking the... Yeah, it's like several yards away from the ritual. So from there, we see Amos. And Amos is just... Perfectly happy uh, sacrificing himself. Amos is ready. He's yeah. like, please, I'm like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I want to join you. And that's when we see for the first time a physical representation of what this thing is. The mm-hmm. he who walks behind the rose is like a creature that's underground or something. Yeah, uh, we do see. I thought it was like a force, but it's physical. Yeah, in that yeah. way. 
we we do see it. Well, we don't. I don't know if it's really it. We do see some. It's like, like a cloud? red lightning yeah. cloud. When it yeah. So so what happens is um the mound uh, slides along the ground and gets Amos. We don't really see it. Once again, mm-hmm. you don't see any violence on yeah. screen, um, which makes it just. It makes it feel not like a horror movie when mm-hmm. you do that. It just makes it feel like a like TV movie. Yeah, like it's okay if you do it a little bit when it's like something. But give us one, yeah, even right. one. Like the knife cut doesn't count in mm-hmm. my opinion. Nope. Um, so uh, the ritual has begun. Amos has gotten eaten, but what nobody expected is the damn thing to possess Isaac mm-hmm. and a really weird visual effect. Um, well. We see, yeah, we see him like it like creeps up like his legs, yeah, and covers at, him. And at first, like, oh, he's dead or something like that. And then only like a couple scenes later, you no, he's super Isaac. Yeah, he's he's super Isaac. He's got like horns. His hair is all messed. Yeah, he's got like scars on his face. Right. Um, and because what happened was when the thing possessed him, it launched his crucifix <laughs> up into the air, and so he must have landed somewhere and gotten hurt. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so he's now possessed by he who walks among the corn but he still or walks behind the rose but he still refers to it in the third person so Mm -hmm. it doesn't make me think that oh this is no it just gave him superpowers mm -hmm. or something yeah it gave him the strength to snap malachi's neck in his super powerful now yeah but that's the last we see of him yeah we don't know where he went isaac disappears after he snaps malachi's neck because the plan explained by joby is that when the the blue man was here so everything's going crazy. The the he who walks among behind the rose is like destroying the barn, and mm-hmm. the force is like all the kids are scared. They have no leaders anymore. Everything's right. going to hell. Um, and Joby explains when the blue man was here. Well, he, before this, Bert runs in, and this is something I thought was really odd. Bert runs in to their sacrificial ritual and he just mm. stops them by that's talking right. them out of it which i was like whoa that's all it took he literally just <laughs> convinces them through yeah. his words that's when he says any religion without love and compassion is a lie yeah, like, that's all it took just, everyone kind of buys into yeah. it They're like, like, oh, yeah that makes sense. Makes that makes think sense these dumb kids are so susceptible <laughs> like it didn't take much for yep. isaac and it wouldn't take much mm-hmm. for, for bert yeah so Bert convinces all of them not to kill him because by the time he's done beating up Malachi and Malachi's like, seize him. Uh, no one does anything. And in mm-hmm. fact, they kind of leave. Yep. Um, but then once Isaac gets taken over, everyone is kind of like, oh, shit, this is real. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Bert doesn't know what he's looking at. He, he hightails it out of there. So that's when Joby talks about the right. blue man. And what was the blue man's plan? So it was to... So they, they run into the barn and uh, and everything's going to hell. Yeah, and um, the blue ma- uh, the blue man, the police officer's plan was to he read some verse from the Bible. I, I forgot what it was, but oh, that's right. Somehow he w- managed to like hurt the the force or make it weaker by reading this specific. Well, uh, I don't know if it's that, but it gave him some insight to how to destroy it. I forgot what the, the exact verse. It's uh, I'll paraphrase, but it's essentially about false prophets that the mm-hmm. false prophet should be, you know, condemned. And uh, do they have fire in there? Maybe. Yeah, okay. maybe. Oh, I feel like I should have written that one down. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have too. But yeah, his plan was to set the cornfield ablaze, mm-hmm. and the way he was thinking of doing that is to take the uh, the gasohol, the gasohol, which is. Uh, alcohol, alcoholic gasoline, gas, very case, flammable, corn, very explosive. Yeah, um, and to put that into the sprinkling system of the cornfields, which is pretty smart. Yeah, it's I a thought, smart plan. Oh, yeah, 
And I thought, um, even if they don't set it on fire, that's probably going to kill all the corn. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably going to destroy the, the soil. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, all that gasoline and yeah. uh, alcohol. Although it evaporates really quickly, so. Oh, that's true. So, yeah. yeah, so that's not enough, though. They're spraying gasohol all over the place, but it's wet. It's not on fire. Uh, he makes a Molotov cocktail out of a glass bottle. Oh, like you make a Molotov sure. cocktail. Not out of a plastic bottle. Um, and do you want to handle this? Oh, sure, sure. Okay, yeah, because yeah. this ending climax is so... It's hilarious. So the, the monster is, like, coming to get them, and everything's, like, shaking, and he takes this glass Molotov cocktails and well, throws wait, 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 wait. it. Before, oh, sorry, sorry. before he's yeah. running through the corn, and mm-hmm. he trips, and yeah. the corn itself starts wrapping yeah. itself around, <laughs> yes, like, his yes, legs and yes. his body, and I wrote down Evil Dead corn, because mm-hmm. it's like the tree in Evil Dead, and the way it, like, wraps yeah, and that's, becomes... That was actually cool, but the way... I thought it was cool, and yeah. I was like kind of scared. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, this is a power we haven't seen before. Right. It's now physicalizing the corn. Yep. So he's cutting, the, he has like a knife, and he's cutting... Mal- I mean, Joby shows up. He's completely like powerless, and he's stuck, but Joby comes running from yeah. the barn, gets over to him, cuts the corn off, saves his life, <laughs> and <laughs> and how does he say thank you? He's like, oh, go back to whatever. Get back to the barn. What are you doing here? He says, get back to the barn. And Joby leaves the frame, enters the frame again and says, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) This is the freaking climax. We don't have time for this crap. Right. It's like, then what happens? This is funny scene. Then yeah. Then now this is the part. Then after this. So he takes the glass bottle and wants to throw it into the cornfield where there's all this gas hall to set the whole thing ablaze. And he throws it, and it happens to land on the, I guess, the path where like are, some soft dirt. Yeah. yeah, so it doesn't break. No, nothing happens, and then uh, Joby is, is running to running after it, and he's like, <laughs> "No, don't run after it! You'll die, Joby, or something like that." And Joby, uh, you know. He, he picks it up. He runs all the way to, to that bottle. I, he runs all the way to the bottle, and I thought, like, oh, okay, so Joby's going to throw it right. from there. But no, Joby grabs the he bottle runs and all runs the all back. the way back. <laughs> like, he does a sprint to the bottle, right. hustles it back, and then it's like, he gives it to Bert, throw and he's it like, better throw, it, time. throw it better! Yeah. Meanwhile, the mound is coming ever closer and closer. Mm-hmm. He hurls it, it breaks, and yeah, it lights the whole thing on mm-hmm. fire. But because of the gasohol, like, in the pipes and stuff, there's a explosions just yeah. like way bigger it's incredible yeah. it's huge it's it's like this huge effect that like, i wasn't expecting the budget for this movie was one, one million i bet like half of that went to pyrotechnics or yeah something. yeah seriously um and then even more than that we see like a visual effect of the the entity the he who walks behind weird, the rose like it's, it's like a, a superimposed flame on top of a real flame. Which is <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like a face on yeah. the like mushroom cloud. And then it goes away. And I feel like it's pretty clear that it's gone. Yeah. It's gone and they burnt it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's like tied to the corn though. So if the corn comes back, it comes back. Because there's eight freaking sequels. Yeah. So something happens. Um, and uh, so, so that's the end. He was able to uh, burn all the corn. Um, but there's one last scare because uh, Vicky and Bert and Joby and Sarah are walking back to their car. And uh, J- uh, Bert gets into the back seat or gets into the front seat. And uh, uh, Rachel, okay. Rachel's back there. And she's got to get one last scare. She's like, aha. <laughs> got like a sith in her head. She, yeah, she's got a, a, a scythe. scythe. Um, and uh, she's, she's about to get them. And then, bam, front door, uh, car door in the face. Yep. Knocked out, out mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're just like, ooh, she's out. Yep. And they leave her there. Well, so he's like a doctor. Bert's like, oh, what do we do? 
And uh, Vicky's like, send her a postcard from Seattle. That's the only time I realized they were going to Seattle, is that little line. They do say it one other time. They do? Um, They do, yeah. Is it at the beginning? I forget where. Yeah, it's somewhere where they're talking and they're they're on their way to Seattle. Okay. And then... It just ends. Yep. It just ends. It literally says the end. There's no music. They (laughs) just kind of walk away. The camera is still on. It's still (laughs) recording them. It just says the end. Um, Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. So before we get into the analysis and stuff, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to listen to another interview from somebody I met at the Midsummer Scream. And uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about our analysis, some of the themes, and finally our rating here on The Gory Days. So this is an audio medium, obviously, so describe for the listener what I'm looking at here. What are you dressed as? Um, I just thought it'd be fun to go as a bear, and then I was like, well, how about I add another bear, and then just another bear. I just... Pretty cool. I wasn't going for like fairy tales. I was just kind of like, I don't know. I well, just thought I'd go for a little extra. So, are you like a cosplayer? Is this something? No, to look just thought I'd. Do, I don't. Know, I try to be original. I try okay. to do something different. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't like dressing up as a movie character. I just try to do like something that I feel like more so original. Today I was. I was like this year. I kind of feel like an animal, and then I was like, how about I add to it? Okay. Yeah. Have you seen the furries walking around? I saw a couple of those. Yes, I saw them, yeah. Um, so what do you like about horror? What brings you to um, Midsummer Scream? I, I like Halloween, and I usually go to Scarily. This is my first time here. Okay, mine too. Yeah, and uh, so far, it's it's to me, it's fun. Uh, it's, I think it's a lot better than Scarily. It's a lot bigger. I've never actually been to Scarily, but... It's uh, a little smaller, but it's the same thing. Oh, really? This yeah. is bigger? Yeah, this is bigger. And okay. then they have the, the scare area in there, yeah, the dark yeah. area, and that's like... They don't have that really there. So, but I mean, what do you like about horror and just the genre and the medium as a whole? Like, why, why, why? Like, I like scaring people. Oh, and, okay. And I like that, you know, every film and video game has that little touch of darkness. And I just, I've always been drawn to that. But you like the scaring part. You like I to be do. on the other side. I, I usually have a home haunt oh. know, for Halloween. So I always scare you. This is my costume. That's pretty cool. So, and we're doing clowns. But I was like, I don't like clowns in general so i was like okay i'll be a toy then i'll be a toy clown where's that so located that's, is that um, something you want people to know about? redlands it's just a home haunt it's not an official business or anything okay um is that what you'd want to do huh is that what you'd want to do is build that up um yeah every year it gets bigger and bigger and we have we're kind of known as the scary house in the block in redlands okay so um we're always like redlands is a little bit more conservative are always kind of like the one that pushes that boundary a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's 1133 West Olive Avenue, in case anyone's interested. But sure. it's, uh, it's year round? Year round. Uh, every, just one night on Halloween, and it's really fun. Oh, okay. We, have, we usually get a lot of um, uh, people that come and help out, and it's, it's all volunteering work. And, you know, Very cool. Does we, it have a name? No, not really. Okay. Just, <laughs> every year it's a different theme, and this year we're doing clowns. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. So, yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Days. And we're back. That was an interview from Midsummer Scream, talking to a fine young gentleman dressed as a teddy bear with another teddy bear on top of it, holding a smaller teddy bear. Um, That's a lot of bear. Yeah, he was pretty interesting. He mentioned that he has his own, like, haunt out of, I think he said, Redding. Like, his own private house that he converts into, into a, haunted house? a real haunted house. and Is like it's, year-round? Or? N- I, that's what I asked. He said, yeah. no, it's just during Halloween, but that it's, like, sense. the whole month, usually, like, he'll have it open just for anyone to come by. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, and that's really nice I, one. I didn't get a chance to ask him, like, how much she spends on that, yeah. but... It made me think that a lot of the vendors and stuff at Midsummer Scream are for both 
like amusement parks and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, but also for individuals who can afford that. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm, I'm assuming it's a free admission to this haunted house of his. Oh, maybe. I don't I know. Maybe he true. charges for yeah, it. Yeah. I feel like it should be free. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, I don't know, if, if I'm paying the... I mean, I, yeah. Maybe I have to sign something. Yeah. yeah. There's a waiver. So, Children of the Corn, uh, I want to talk about the themes, uh, specifically the idea of cultism and religion uh, tape... Religion being like a vehicle to get influence and power over others, whether or not it's for malevolence or otherwise. Yeah, I feel like we always bring up religion, but it's it's always been a, a theme in these horror movies. I guess that is a it common is. thing. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, in the like we brought it up in um, in Hellraiser, Hellraiser quite a bit, and uh, a little bit in I guess not in graveyard shift, but no, uh, but in pumpkinhead a little. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this idea that religion is um the antithesis of evil. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep the uh, Dracula away with the cross. And... Yeah, and I was going to say that this one kind of subverts that, but no, it definitely plays into it in that the religious verse is what unlocks the the way to defeat the yep. the evil entity but in the same way the religion is what you know powers the entity and gets these kids so let's break down what the the cult is yep. uh it's isaac like right. isaac is the main guy he mm-hmm. was a, a kid preacher in nebraska right which is that a thing oh yeah big yeah. time that's okay. a real thing mm-hmm. um is uh young pe- preachers and very being very young to, uh, hmm? being groomed to run a church sort of thing not even being groomed like running the church oh, not wow. running as, the church but running the kids. sermons okay, yeah wow. children um especially like in the south and uh yeah yeah uh the idea you know children are pure and that's another theme mm-hmm. in this yeah is that children uh out of the out of the mouths of babes comes the word of god kind mm-hmm. of idea um and so isaac obviously had a lot of influence not only among the churchgoers and people but among the children it seems right. um and so I'm guessing at some point in Isaac's life, he who walks behind the rose presented himself to yep. him in like an indisputable, real way. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- it is a physical creature, or it can move the cornfields. So, but is there anything that implies that Isaac never had proof that he was just maybe having dreams, or well, just? Well, the other thing is, he says he communicates with it, and I forgot he's I... the. <laughs> He's the only one who can communicate with this thing, and it talks to him regularly. That's right. So, that's, uh... Yeah, he says that it talks to him, like, all the time. Right. And that he's always speaking uh, the the Lord's word. Yeah, so I'm sure, yeah, especially when he was raised to be a... A preacher. A preacher. Yeah. And he sees a lord whatever he thinks the lord is actually talking to him this is what he sees in the bible maybe he believed that was always god yeah that that, like he who walks behind the rose was a name he preferred maybe that was just yeah yeah maybe he thought that was god and this is how he spoke to him so once again that kind of power over someone's life that like uh i you're a preacher and you have given your life to the lord and uh like you know priests having to swear celibacy and that kind of idea um, to the nth degree, to a point that it turns into fanaticism. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the first thing I think of is, like, the Middle Eastern extremists and their religion that, you know, teach, like, murdering other non-believers and that kind of mm-hmm. thing as a way of defending your religion. And that's something that Bert hammers on, is, like, any religion that ex- that encourages violence and hate yep. is-, is bad. And there are some parts of 
religions that people practice right here mm-hmm. in this in this country that still <sighs> preach discrimination and prejudice. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're 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 dwindling, but they're still there. Here's what's kind of odd: like a lot of this is, I mean, the the Bible hasn't changed, but people see it differently now. Mm-hmm. It's, people take different parts of it and interpret it differently than how they did previously. So that's kind of odd. It seems like politics change religion in in some way. Yeah, that it's like once if your society changes and becomes uh gets to a certain level, then the religion that is being put into you somehow changes to apply to your life? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a very religious person, are no, you? Same, no. Yeah, so like I've always been fascinated by people who have thrown themselves into it like that. Mm-hmm. Like I've known people who go to church sure. but they're not a fanatic right. like these people they're not right. you know religious they don't they don't like you know you hear the extremes like of christian christianity mm-hmm. even of like self-flagellation mm-hmm. and uh like physically harming oneself but to 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 preach open violence and wanton killing of your parents mm-hmm. that's insane yeah. like he must have been very charismatic it's either that so we don't see the his first speech on the the field, which converted all these kids. It was some big event, yeah. right? But it was either he was so charismatic that he won them over, or maybe they saw some supernatural thing, or he had proof in some way. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if this really ties into that religious theme, but the fact that Linda, um, uh, Vicky, and Bert aren't married, mm-hmm. um, and that Bert has a problem with commitment or yeah. uh Although i guess in the book they were married but, they were married and they know. hate each other so yeah. there's nothing really to to draw from there but as far as this script, well, well just like just this movie i guess i, I don't know in my mind it's like well it leaves them it makes them connected but it leaves them open to other relationships in the movie but it's a horror movie so that hmm. doesn't really happen and there isn't even a moment where it's where they like validate that they're not married like like well this is it so mm-hmm. it's like you know after this if we make it through this like something like that yeah. there's, there's nothing really right. um so I mean, we do see them be more like a family at the end because they that's kind true. of adopt the kids that's true two of them at least i guess that's kind of like a well if you're not committed then na- mm-hmm. now now you are now right. you really don't have a choice yeah. um i don't know was that a theme really i wrote it down as a theme the idea of uh marriage and a lack of commitment over mm. this like family I didn't really notice that, to be honest. Uh, okay. watching it. Well, then I'll move on to the big one, which is that uh, children and loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. The idea that it's it's universally agreed upon that children are cherubic. They're yep. safe. They're the ones that are untainted by the woes of the world, and they don't have anxiety and depression and things, and they don't murder. Mm-hmm. They're kids, and we all love kids. So an adult nightmare, the idea mm-hmm. of the, the kids that you could never punch or kill or you know fight off they're your children Mm -hmm. coming at you and killing you i feel like this movie doesn't play with that horror enough yeah like that opening scene of the the kids turning on them it's too quick and it's too distant they're Mm -hmm. the like none of the adults like there's no parent relationship we don't see that at all in that moment random kids killing random adults like i it would have been it would have been really cool to see several like 
families mm-hmm. being torn apart by their own children, right. like w- without any feeling. Creepier, yeah, yeah it would have been really creepy. Um, and I feel like the the the, the posters and stuff kind of like imply there's going to be more shots of creepy kids kind of just standing places and mm-hmm. slowly like maybe yeah. moving around like zombies almost. Yeah, or yeah. just like you know acting supernatural in some way without necessarily being supernatural, mm-hmm. just like. There are th- hundreds of kids in this town. You yeah. don't think you could have played with like look-alike kids to make us go like, "Whoa, what the heck's going on?" And it's like, no, they're twins or they're triplets yeah. or something yeah. like that. Um, or there wasn't even like a, "Oh, I'm a little kid, I'm lost. Where, where are you?" And oh, a surprise, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, like there a was, trap. Yeah, yeah, like they didn't play with any of that. There's lots of expectations that people have with mm-hmm. children that they could have played with in this more traditional narrative structure of the script. Yep, but instead, it's all. Sun done with in the first two shots of the movie. Yeah, and, pretty much. You know. And so, like, the idea of uh, you and your girlfriend driving across the country and having to uh, stop in this town because of a horrible accident and you're just trying to do the right thing uh, gets you trapped into a hell. That's something that I always, like... Like, how how do people get themselves into these situations? It's like the reluctant hero. That's like, part of yeah, this exactly. Because in real life... I guess, like, if I hit a kid, I don't think I would put him in my trunk. I think <laughs> yeah, I would call nine one one, but it's the eighties, so they don't no have phone, they don't have so. cell phones. So yeah, they they have to drive to the nearest place. But um, like in all these horror movies, like Hostel and uh, Saw and these things, I always try to put myself in their shoes and think, how do I protect myself so I never end up in a situation that I can't escape? You know, mm-hmm. like it's as simple as six pieces of wood nailed together in such a way that I cannot get out of it left anywhere in the world. How do I avoid that situation? How do I stay conscious at all times, never get knocked out or, or, or tricked or anything like that? Um, and, and that's the thing is that Bird and Vicky aren't stupid. They're not your typical uh, mm-hmm. like horror characters. They, they have more going on. They, they're, yep. they're cautious. They're... Uh, they've got self-preservation, obviously, and they're not tripping all over themselves, except for Bert at the end. Um, but I respect them, mm-hmm. and I was rooting for them the whole time. Yep. I still... It would have been nice if one of them didn't make it, personally. Yeah, just because, you know... The emotional stakes would have been a little right. bigger. Um, when they put uh, Vicky up on the cross, they don't do anything to no, her. She's just, just tired. And it's only one day, so it only yeah. it must have been like three or four hours, but she's like exhausted from it or something. Yeah. From being out in the sun um but yeah so that's a major theme is uh children uh being evil and things like that and the other thing is so at the end there was uh i guess joby was he was the only one who's like had the presence of mind to hey this this bottle being thrown there wasn't gonna kill this monster he you know we need to do better and it almost seems like the other kids have been like brainwashed mm-hmm. into just being kind of stupid yeah like maybe that's what happens when you become a a, a peon in a cult mm-hmm. is you just kind of wait until you're told to do something mm-hmm. but yeah joby and sarah are the only ones that hold on to their humanity over these four years i think it's because they have the toys and the clothes and mm-hmm. each other and uh you also didn't like isaac before so that's part of it yeah, yeah is that he never bought into he always thought he was creepy yeah yeah from like day one but but even more than that the adults like uh when Bert is um when uh, Joby's running out to get that bottle Bert is like no don't do it you know he's watching out for Joby but Joby's like hey I need to do this I need to be he basically was the hero the kid 
Oh, you're right. That's uh, kind of cool. That is cool yeah. that he he saves the day with his knowledge. Yeah. Um yeah. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, children can be the villains and the heroes right. of this story. I thought that was cool. Yeah, cuz I don't know, children are usually just the damsels in distress. They're usually mm-hmm. uh, emotional baggage or something for the main character to to have us a, a horse in the race or yeah. something like that. And here they're the main villain and two of them are heroes. So, additionally, there's the theme of survival, of wanting to, you know, not get killed by these kids, um, but they're pretty strong. And I thought mm-hmm. about it, like, it doesn't, like, enough, if you get five 17-year-olds, mm-hmm. they could probably restrain a full-grown adult, mm-hmm. whether it's Bert or Vicky. Sure. They never really restrain Bert, but they do get Vicky. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And she doesn't look, she's Linda Hamilton. She doesn't right. look tiny. Like, she's not frail. Yeah. She's really she's fighting She's Sarah them Connor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. She can fight off anything. Um, and she's uh, taken down by, yeah, these 17-year-olds. But, um, yeah, survival. And it's like, are you willing to kill children to survive, mm-hmm. even if they're killing you? Uh, the only kids that die are killed by other kids. Mm-hmm. And adults are killed by other kids. And the dog is killed by other kids. But no one is killed. No adult kills a child. Right. Which I think... Obviously, you can't do in a movie, regardless of how yeah. evil the kids are. Yeah, although we did see, uh, after the dog dies, the uh, mechanic goes after the kids as Avengers, but presumably he didn't get anyone. Yeah, but it, yeah, I don't think he was actually going to kill anyone. It's just more like to scare them off for self-defense, because know. he knows what his deal is here. It's, <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to live right. as long as I give you gasoline. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess the only one is Bert punches Malachi and beats him up a whole bunch, which mm-hmm. honestly was a little awkward, because yeah. he is a kid. Right. And it's like, I know he's been trying to kill him, but that's the thing. That's what mm-hmm. I want to talk about, is like despite how evil the kids are, me, the audience, never wants to see them hurt by an adult and uh, is that something you were feeling um uh, maybe not to that extent because uh is that like no matter what they do that western idea i don't know if it's western it's probably universal that universal idea that no kids are safe they need to be safe um I don't want to see... A well, Malachi was almost an adult. So. Hmm? Malachi was almost an adult. Yeah. So I, was kind of, eh. I have to imagine he was like pretty close to his 19th birthday. Yeah. yeah. Um, I totally didn't expect Isaac to be uh, overthrown in the mm. middle of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, he... I thought he had a pretty good stranglehold on everything, mm-hmm. but it was one... No, that's all it took. One push. Yeah. And everyone, I mean, honestly, they're kids and mm. physicality is just a big thing among yeah. like... Pe- children and people in general so mm-hmm. so yeah and uh, isaac does a good job of yelling and screaming and like going like no you're heretics you're all going to die this is terrible yeah. and uh he was right mm-hmm. i'm sure some kids died in that fire right. i'm sure not all of them got away but once again off screen um because they certainly don't put it out they yep. leave the scene they, yep. they like hightail it out of there yeah there's even a funny uh, like running away from the fire and uh uh joby's like Oh, it's dead, right? <laughs> yep. So why are we still running? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God, Joby's so weird at yeah. the end of the movie. He, like, loses his character and becomes this, like, yeah, the silly person. Well, yeah. why are we running? Because <laughs> there's a giant fire and an explosion. You don't know what metal shrapnel's going to come flying out of there. Yeah, so the last one is uh, small town communities housing dark secrets. And uh, the idea that it's, like, a whole town can be wiped off the map mm-hmm. and just like the no neighboring communities it. yeah like just like don't like 
what was the other town that was supposed uh, to, it was remember. like Williamsburg or something like sure. that or Chet I don't know it's something but it's like 16 miles is mm. the nearest town besides yeah. this one um so yeah it, it manages to be completely off the map and that's always creepy mm-hmm. the idea like do you agree yeah I mean I do I, mean, I, I think live in creepy. a very urban place and I like the yeah, but you few times I've, I've lived like out, I definitely get cabin fever really yeah. quick. So like uh, uh, driving out like in the middle of the five when it's pitch black out, mm-hmm. and imagining like, well, what if like you had to turn off into a dirt road? I've definitely had to do that where mm-hmm. I was driving home and the freeway was just absolutely clogged. So Google Maps tells me to take this uh, other way, and it's completely black and dark. And I think to myself, this is it. This is <laughs> they hacked my GPS yeah. and they're getting me to go to their barn, and I'm gonna end up in a coffin no and it'll be tortured to death that's exactly how it happens um and so yeah i thought about that the idea like yeah it's it's me and my my girlfriend or wife or whatever but uh uh, like there is no safety Mm -hmm. when you're out here like once you leave the safety of your home this movie is telling me and get into the the mysterious backcountry of nebraska Mm -hmm. you gotta keep you gotta be safe if you hit a kid keep driving (laughs) um that was pretty much stop till he hit seattle yeah that's pretty much everything i took away from it yeah is there anything that jumped out to you? Well, I'd like to, to go back um, just one more thing in the um, to religion again. Is that we see, uh, what's the couple, Bert and Vicky mock um, a preacher in the first scenes. And at the end, they're using uh, a biblical verse to help them out. Oh, so well, I thought that was kind of cool. You're right. It does. Yeah. It's the the two halves of the same coin. That mm-hmm. religion is a, a positive force in people's lives. Yeah. But people use it for negative right and that's the thing is like i don't believe religion in and of itself is a bad thing Mm -hmm. i think it provides a lot of good for a lot of people that without it would be really lost and Mm -hmm. wouldn't know what to do with themselves i think it brings a lot of peace to people but at the end of the day it 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 is a manipulator of it's very vulnerable for, people, yeah. of very of very weak people who need an answer from something. Mm. And so as long as that answer is one of benevolence and peace and love for your fellow man, that's good. But when it uses violence as a means to an end to... Right. I guess to, the other thing is like extremism, because mm-hmm. they're... I imagine the couple isn't uh, maybe a little religious, but not to the point where they're... No, they can't quote a verse. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, so, and they do well Bert does say any religion not based on love and so he seems like he's open to that idea but yeah not the extremism which these kids no, are clearly into this fanaticism yeah. that results to in violence and and murder of your own kin like mm-hmm. that's the worst that's one of the commandments yeah. is thou shalt not murder and thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother they mm-hmm. broke two commandments sure. in that thou shalt have no false idols before me that's right. three i don't know why i know so many of the commandments <laughs> but uh yeah and for the religion theme that's that's something huge that isaac is able to take everything that they might have held as like you know important and valuable as their morals and converts it and and perverts it for for he who walks behind the rose Mm -hmm. and so what is he who walks behind the rose let's get into that yeah um we certainly don't so stephen king has introduced a lot of things to us he's introduced Mm. ghosts evil like dogs the just thing. these yeah. uh, oh that wasn't actually uh, Stephen King no that was John Carpenter was fog right the mist the mist That's yeah what, uh, monsters in the mist he's done it which is yeah. just this like alien uh, otherworldly force yeah, yeah shape-shifting monster that preys on fear mm-hmm. so this one 
is kind of like par for the course as far mm-hmm. as like all of his cosmic metaphysical supernatural yeah. horrors go it's it 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 just wants blood yeah it's not clear what it because why does it spare the kids and why well, have you ever it brings to mind the the lottery have you heard that short story no. it's a short story that people well you said you had to read lord of the flies for school so i assume right. you had to read the lottery at some I point it's a story about a small town and they're hosting a lottery and this mm-hmm. one girl won and how she's not happy and everyone else is excited for her because it's revealed that the lottery is whoever wins the lottery is stoned to death by oh, the wow. town so that the harvest is good mm. and that's a thing that's been a thing throughout centuries right. is the idea sacrificial for the gods for, a harvest, for a harvest for yeah. food yeah. for literally to to make sure that you know the corn is good next mm. year south park has done it a couple of times yeah. with the britney spears episode <laughs> where they uh, had to basically you know take pictures of her until she died so that the harvest would be oh, good man. um in fact south park did a a different one where uh, everyone in town got all the kids in town got the adults arrested by saying they were molesting them mm-hmm. um so that was their children of the corn version is all the kids it was called the m word it's a really fun episode i gotta see it yeah it's uh, early on um but yeah so this is a thing the idea that a small town believing so strongly in essentially paganism uh that it's never to god it's always to the corn to right. the harvest mm-hmm. to something that represents this like entire community's desperate need yeah although the- we, this community seems like it was just a normal church going community there's nothing but the kids believe in this what was it called he who walks behind, he who the, walks rose. behind the rose it's a really wordy yeah. name yeah. it's really clunky uh, every time i've said it i had to like look at my paper to i've see what called it he who walks among the rose yeah. he who walks behind the corn <laughs> i've called it all these different things uh yeah so um that that's always kind of freaked me out the idea of like a small town being so uh, so set in its beliefs that they're willing to kill someone Mm -hmm. and and like just remove themselves from it or or even like uh make up things like oh well they're a sinner they're they're a heretic they're a homosexual they're a fornicator right in this case it's just for for watching music or for listening to music just for being outside just for being an outlander an outsider Mm -hmm. and the idea that like you're not from here and isaac turning it into like well this is a test he Mm -hmm. said he would send outlanders here as as a test and now we have to kill them um yeah i feel like like a small town especially why is that why? why is it a small town? No, or? no. Why is it? Is it because are small towns more susceptible because they're they don't have libraries and like you know enough people in them with different thoughts uh, to to? I mean, maybe that's maybe like there they are like in a small knit community. There is like more of a group think to to that where everyone knows each other and everyone yeah. kind of knows each other's history and right. they don't trust new people. Yeah, maybe they're racist. I didn't see any black people yeah. in town. Well, I mean. There's a bunch of towns in the middle of the country yeah, with that. I'm sure it's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I almost forgot that theme, but uh, did you did you have any others? I think that was it. No, that, that's that, those are two I wanted to bring up as um, a religion. A religion, and yeah, and they also crucify them. Which oh, is that's kinda, right. I yeah. forgot. Yeah, they make corn crucifixes, yeah. and there's there's not just religion, but it's Christian yeah. all over the place. Is that they held on to the Christian idea right. and, there was and, a, there was and a, the church? There was a image of uh, jesus christ and on top of that there was corn that's right just, they defaced uh, the uh virgin mary and the mm-hmm. jesus image and all of those that's yeah, right uh, they, and in the church the the uh, amos had a pentagram on mm-hmm. him so that's all christian you know yeah. satan yeah uh yeah so we made it 
Yep. We made it all the way to the end. Now mm. we talk about our, uh, sorry, our rating, what we thought about it on a scale of one to five thumbs, one being the worst and five being the best based on any criteria we want at all. Mike, what'd you think of this movie? Well, I'd just like to point out a couple more things before, um, before getting into the rating. One is, uh, how did the kids have clean laundry at all times? Have you noticed that? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's, uh, um... Well, I guess Lovi was, or Joby was wearing the same thing through the whole and day. It super I, it's clean. one day. Yeah. So. But, like, they, they must have lived for years when yeah. they're doing laundry and just wearing the same clothing. That's something we never get is, like, how do they keep the town functioning? How yeah. do they feed themselves? What do they use the gasoline for? And, like, what? They, they, made, they must have made the gasoline out of ethanol or out of corn. Or they learned to do that. Yeah. How are they functioning as a town? Right. How are they getting their, yeah. That's, um, yeah. Like, nothing is shipped in from anywhere. No. Yeah. So, it's kind of odd. So, with that in mind, we're, oh, something else? Um, no, I think I think that's it. So what did you think of this movie? Uh, unfortunately, I was not a big fan of this uh, yeah. for several reasons. Um, yeah, thematically, it wasn't that strong. Um, there was no moral to it, again. Uh, I guess, I, I don't know what the moral is. Don't kill your parents. I don't know if that's a... Don't... Um, keep your eyes on the road. Keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> uh, I guess it's like, don't... Um, mindlessly believe in deities or yeah in i think it's more about told. the kids yeah. and isaac yeah um and uh children are weird i guess is the other thing <laughs> and they're susceptible they're and susceptible. i think the strongest thing is that joe joby and sarah uh hold on to their own interests and mm -hmm. stay true to themselves instead of giving up their identity to this greater cause mm -hmm. and i think that's helped by the records and their coloring and they get to keep things that identify them as themselves mm -hmm. yeah yeah the other um so yeah there's no no really strong moral or change of character i guess the children change to being free again um to being children again but um that's the other thing they believe in this thing so strongly and then one speech and poof well, I haven't seen the sequel, but last time on uh, Gremlins, there was something I, uh, I guess I wanted to start doing more on the show is, what happens next? Mm -hmm. What happens? I don't know. Do, do they do, call the cops? Do Bert and Vicky of... tell them that, hey, there's this town here full of children that right. killed their parents? Do any of the children suddenly feel bad? Do they want their parents now that they're, they have no leader? Right. Or do they just kind of reform because they have nothing else? Uh, I don't know. Like you know, you like what's the most sensible thing you think would have to happen? Okay, imagine Bert and Vicky. They don't immediately go to Seattle. They must go to another town to report this crazy thing. No one's gonna believe them. That's for the a thing. While. I don't think anyone's gonna believe yeah. them. I think they're just gonna like these are your kids, yeah. and I don't know what you're trying to do. Right. You killed a kid in yeah. your trunk. That's what we care about. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think Bert and Vicky don't make it to no, Seattle, yeah, and I think those kids get taken away from right. them. Child services exactly. Them. And they get split up by the yeah. foster system, and they yeah. become drug dealers. Yep, the end. That's probably what happens. Yep. So I sorry, I interrupted your rating. Um, so besides besides the the not strong morals, it wasn't even visually that great. Um, nothing. We didn't see any of the violence on screen. There was a bunch of uh, goofs, like uh, the big cut to Vicky's face, which slowly shrunk later, and. No unique character no, designs. Yeah, and the movie just kind of goes in a circle a bit. It kind of, oh, it's children, run away. Oh, it's children again, run away here. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give it half a thumb. Half a thumb? Oh, a wow, thumb. that bad? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. 
Um, and who do you give that half a thumb to? Boy, I don't even know. I don't even know who gets half a thumb. Um, I guess I'll give it to uh, to Sarah Connor. <laughs> to to uh, Linda Hamilton no, no, herself? No. Sarah Connor. Oh, to Sarah Connor. <laughs> she'll, she'll need it. Yep. Cool. Yep. How about you? Oh, Children of the Corn, 1980. Stephen King's Children of the Corn, 1980. You don't have to say that every time you read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I liked this movie. I really like the story. Uh, I don't think it play. It doesn't go far enough with the the themes uh, like we were talking about. Um, but like st- story wise, I think it it does kind of just meander around. Like in our recap, we skipped the first half of the mm-hmm. movie. It almost doesn't matter yep. until Bert and K- Vicky hit the kid. That's when the movie starts right. essentially. So, considering that you can ignore the first half of the movie before well, getting... Is it, is it half? I'm sure it's less than that. I think it was like 45 minutes in, yeah. and then there was another 50 after that oh. with five minutes for the credits. I okay. think it's literally the halfway wow. point. Um, there are no unique character designs. Isaac's only interesting thing is the hat that he wears in that first diner mm. scene. He doesn't wear it again anymore. Isaac's barely in the movie, considering he's supposed to be the big bad. It's right. more Malachi. Yeah. And I'm not interested in watching the, 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 the interpersonal yeah, mutiny between Malachi mm. and Isaac. I'm more interested in what they're doing and yeah. why they're so crazy. So, like, great Goldsmith screenplay, I'm sure everyone loved it at the time but all i'm i'm just itching to read the book um the the short story i'm itching to finish it uh because i don't know it just seems like a better story neither of them make it in the original story uh at least the like you said the stakes are higher and there's no when a movie or show does that you're like oh wow if that happens anyone can go at any minute which is really cool but this one they're they've, no. they've got plot armor yeah. and they're totally safe because mm-hmm. it i imagine it would have been horrible to have bert uh yeah bert take joby and sarah by himself yeah. it's like oh this adult man is going to raise these mm-hmm. two kids alone i feel like movies never never want to do that and mm-hmm. it, it makes that scene where he's like patching himself up with the kids in the cellar just like oh he's topless with these kids now but whatever mm-hmm. uh so i'm going to give this uh movie uh god what did i give what did I give uh, Hellraiser? I gave that like four thumbs, yeah, I think. Four thumbs. Give something other. So, yeah, anyway, this in a vacuum. I'm going to give it three thumbs. Three thumbs. Yeah. Okay. I only have two. You but have I, two up. So. I'm, going to, I'm going to give it three because, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I, I think I would recommend it to, to people who are okay. interested in, you know, where all of these references and stuff come from. Yeah. The, the, You'll be disappointed. But yeah, the, the movie itself is. is... Not very good, in my opinion. But no, it, it clearly it it launched. Of... It had a cult following. People still uh-huh, no know. pun intended, uh-huh. but it just makes a lot of promises that it never uh, 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 com- delivers on. Delivers on. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So I'm going to give uh, one thumb to to Joseph, the boy that dies in the very beginning. Um, hopefully, it's still attached, mm-hmm. but maybe it went flying off and he gets hit by the car. I'm going to give my second thumb to Sarge, the uh, gas station guy's dog. Mm-hmm. I always love to give uh, thumbs yeah. to animals, especially right. if they're dogs. Cause they're little That's an adorable claw. dog, too. It is. It's a, good, yeah. it's a cute little dog. Um, and I'll give my final thumb to uh, Bert, uh, mm. so he can throw the bottle yep. nice and hard <laughs> the first time and break it so Jovi doesn't have to go do his fireman sprint out mm. and back. Uh, yeah, I would give it to he who walks behind the corn, but I don't think he has any thumbs. No thumbs. Yeah. I like the... 
the effects that they had for that. I think they just like moved a plow really fast, and that's oh, how they. Yeah, there's something on uh, we, um, on IMDb about it, but that it was an upturned barrel with wheels on the underside. Mm-hmm. That uh, they had a big ditch dug out. They mm. put that in about halfway, covered the, the area that it would be with dirt, and then attached yeah. it to a tractor that and would drive, it. and then it pulled the barrel under That's the, pretty cool. the that dirt. That was a cool effect. Really cool. Yeah. Honestly, like, it, it's the first moment where you get a physical representation of the monster, right. so, yeah. But I wanted it to, like, pop out or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. You have a million-dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts? Um, uh, that's not just final thoughts, but uh, I like that it was all shot on location, and it was all... Sh- uh, in Iowa. In Iowa, yeah. yeah. Which that's kind of cool. That's where there's lots of corn, I mm-hmm. guess. Not so yeah. much Nebraska, but yeah. Iowa. Yeah. So, uh, Children of the Corn, 1984. Listeners out there, you'll have a great time. Maybe you should pick up the short story, though, uh, in Stephen King's Night Shift. Or um, maybe just watch some of the sequels, because there's not much here. Or you can just read the Hustler article. Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise, we'll be here next time with the Gory Days. <laughs> Stay scary out there. The Gory Days.